Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and in this segment, we are going to be doing a full moon forecast for March 18th, 2022. But before we get started, I do want to remind you all that I do study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology. That means I'm using the astronomical placement of the planets at any given moment in time. If you would like to learn more about Vedic sidereal astrology and how it's different than Western tropical astrology, go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on media and then astrology. Now I have a podcast embedded there that will teach you some of the differences between Western and Vedic astrology. In addition to that, if you would like to calculate your Vedic birth chart, go to my website, click on offerings and then chart to see where the planets were placed astronomically at the moment of your birth. Such a beautiful experience. So this full moon is pretty significant, and I'll talk about why, um, but I do want to just kind of talk about the astrological weather in general. Um, we are in this massive time of transition and change. I feel like the seasons are beginning to change. We're moving into spring. We're moving towards spring. And Rahu and Ketu are about to change signs. And so when you listen to this, this is going to publish on March 11th. It's literally the final few days of Rahu being in Taurus and Ketu being in Scorpio for this cycle. So Rahu and Ketu will move into Aries, will move into Libra on March 16th. This is especially significant for those of you who are Aries rising, Aries moon, Ketu or excuse me, Libra rising, Libra moon, it's going to be a big 18 months for you. <laughs> but for all of us, um, an entirely new area of life is going to be impacted. It's going to change, you know, awareness is going to get brought to it. And so I really encourage everyone in these final days to take an inventory of the last 18 months. What were the themes? What changed? What were your successes? What did you learn? What did you overcome? What was challenging? What was difficult? What is uncompleted? What needs to have the loose ends tied up so that you can move forward? And this is going to play into our full moon as well, because our full moon on March 18th is just a few days after that nodal shift. And the full moon is a time of releasing and letting go, right? On March 18th, 2022 at 2.17 a.m., the moon is going to be at its peak position of brightness. And then from there, the light will slowly be stripped from the moon. The energy will be stripped from the moon. And so this is symbolic for releasing and letting go. So what are you ready to release and let go of? from these 18 months, rather it be expectation or attachment or shame or guilt. What is residual that it's time to release so that you don't have to carry the burden into this next cycle of time? So it is something certainly to be thinking about and to be considering. So the rest of the night sky, of course, we are still seeing this planetary war between Mars and Venus. I've been talking about this on many podcasts. Um, 
Mars is irritability and aggression and war. Venus is compassion, intimacy, and diplomacy. We're seeing this battle and this struggle between these two energies in the world around us globally and potentially interpersonally as well. This is definitely a time of passion and excitability. And so watch for that in your own life as well. There may be a lot of passion. There may be heightened emotions. <laughs> there may be fluctuations in what you're thinking and what you're feeling. There's also this energy around planning for the future and thinking about the long-term outcome of things. So Mars and Venus are having that planetary war towards the end of the month as we approach the end of March. Mars is going to conjoin Saturn and that is when things are really going to feel intense and they are going to be difficult capricorn right i feel like i said that really funny if you're laughing so am i okay so pluto mars venus and saturn are all in the sign of capricorn as we speak in the sidereal sign of capricorn capricorn is all about the economy and it has a lot to do with finances and wealth and government this is what's getting impacted. I was reading an article this morning about inflation rates and how difficult the economy is right now. This is part of why we're seeing this conflict and we're seeing this struggle. And of course, in the government structures, we're seeing the pressure as well. We're seeing pressure on world leaders. And as I mentioned briefly on the previous podcast, we're having planets begin to roll through Aquarius into Pisces through the Bhadrapadas. So much truth is coming to light. So much is being illuminated. And so much is really shifting. And this is that Rahu Ketu, you know, us preparing for the shift of Rahu and Ketu. But there's a lot shifting in terms of like mandates and how we're viewing um, the virus and how we're viewing the pandemic. And this is what we anticipated, right? We anticipated that this was going to be something that would kind of shift as we move into the cycle. And we're already starting to see the beginning of that. But once Rahu and Ketu move into Aries and Libra, it's just going to be a progressive thing into the next 18 months. It will become less and less of a topic that we're focusing on. So that's something to look forward to, though, of course, we are going to be directing our awareness to other things, which is something I've been talking about for a while. But focusing on this full moon. So we talked about what a full moon is auspicious for. It is auspicious for releasing and letting go. The moon is in the sign of Virgo, and more specifically, the moon is in the nakshatra of Uttara Falguni. And so remember in Vedic astrology, we look at the sign, but then we also want to look at the nakshatra, which is where we get a little bit more specific. So we take the sign, we divide it into three, and then whichever part of the sky the moon was in, that's going to give us the nakshatra or lunar mansion, giving us an even more clear understanding of what type of energy we are going to get. And so Uttara Falguni is actually a really beautiful portion of the sky. This is a really auspicious portion. And so I really am looking forward to it. What's interesting about this full moon is that the only planet aspecting the moon is the sun. And Uttara Falguni is ruled by the sun. And that being said, there's this incredibly sattvic, meaning pure and balanced energy to it. And there's this very spiritual energy. The moon and the sun are the two luminaries. They bring lightness to dark. 
And so just having this full moon, you know, being between the sun and the moon, I just get this really um, beautiful, illuminating energy from it. And when I think about the sun, which again, Uttara Falguni is ruled by the sun, I think about time. The position of the sun is what originally gave us insight into what time of day it was. So we have this association to Kala. Kala is Sanskrit for time. And we're in the midst again of this big transition. So it really is a wonderful opportunity to review how we are spending our time, (laughs) what we're investing our time in, releasing and letting go of time wasters, of time killers, investing our one and precious life in something that is not helpful, that is not conducive to what we really want to do. What is our path? What is our soul's alignment? What brings us purpose? And how can we lean into that instead of investing time in these things that we're not going to look back on our life and think about? You know, at the end of our life, we're not going to look fondly on scrolling Instagram. We're not going to look fondly on scrolling, you know, the internet. We're going to look fondly at the really life-changing moments of getting to the top of a mountain, of giving birth to a child, of connecting with a really dear friend, of that one moment in time when you are standing in your favorite park and the sun hit your skin just right and you recalled words spoken by your grandmother, you know? Like it's those moments in the complete present that we look back at fondly. And so how do we want to spend our time? What's important? Looking back at the 18 months, what stood out? What was important? Do more of that. You know, follow that, move towards it. The deity for Uttara Falguni is Ariman, and this is a very beautiful deity and a beautiful god, and his name signifies a close friend, a partner, a companion. He has this association to kinship, to patronage, to generosity. And the name Ariman directly translates into the light behind God. How beautiful is that, right? This is that connection to the sun, this connection to time. And also, like I was mentioning earlier, when we think about what was important in life, it's usually our connections, the people we connected with, the things that we connected with, which is this meaning behind Ariman and patronage and connection. And so I've been thinking a lot about this nakshatra and what it represents. And I've been thinking a lot about relationship. And when I say relationship, it doesn't just mean a romantic partner. It means all of our relationships and all of our connections. So I'm going to definitely spend time talking about that. But first, I just want to talk a little bit more about the auspicious activities and then also the inauspicious activities for this nakshatra. So on this day, on March 18th, the favorable activities are going to be marriage, (laughs) having intimate experiences with other people. It's an excellent time to join forces, collaborate, work with others, um, do any type of group activity or group event. It's also great for buying property and also uh, making a transition into a new house. You guys know that I'm trying to move. Don't think I'm going to make it in eight days. But if you are buying or selling a house, this is a great time for it. This is a wonderful opportunity to offer charity to others because it's all about, again, connecting and patronage. It's also a great time for ceremonies and religious 
rituals. And according to what I've been taught, this is a good day to interact with authorities and interact with authority figures because it's such a gentle kind of nakshatra. It softens everything. It is not a good time for endings. So try not to bring any conclusions. Try not to have any sharp endings of any kind. It's also not a great time for confrontations or arguments or doing anything that requires sharpness or harshness. There are some nakshatras like Kritika where it's great for like sharp, blunt activities. Uttara Falguni is not that nakshatra. It's good for the softer, friendly activities. So try to keep that in mind. Try not to engage in conflict. And as I was saying, it's not the best nakshatra for endings and it's a full moon so it's a time of like releasing and letting go right and so I just want to clarify that it's not the time like on March 18th it's not the time to make a breakup it's not the time to quit a job or have any of these big endings but it's a good time to check in with yourself and begin evaluating what it is time to release and let go of what it is time to move away from so it's finding that action and inaction it's the contemplation, it's finding clarity, and it's intentionally beginning to release, not necessarily making that action to end. So I did want to clarify that. So moving on to the connection and the intimacy. Um, this nakshatra, again, it has this association to oath and to commitment and to growing with other people. And so I thought, what a better time than now to talk about the jiva, the individual soul, and soul contracts, and how we begin to interact with people. We begin to change how we love people when we stop identifying them as mine or ours, right? We think of my friend, my mother, even my baby, my boss, my buddies, even my dog, right? When we remove that from our paradigm, the way that we view and relate to everybody changes. And so I want to come back to this concept of the jiva, right? Like each of us in this life is incarnated to learn a very specific lesson, right? We come into this world with so many different karmas that we're trying to clear. And we clear those karmas through things like sadhana and prayer and through personal introspection and hard work and helping and serving. And again, when we come into this incarnation, we are given our natal birth chart, which is, you know, a map of the karma that we're working through in this life. And when we come into this world, we have these soul contracts with other jivas, other souls that we're going to come into contact with. And each of them is going to show us different facets of reality. They're going to introduce us to new experiences, to new emotions, to new thoughts, to new ideas. And for people like our parents <laughs> or our children, our sisters, brothers, grandparents, our family, that's like a big contract because that's something where even if we're not talking to them, it's always like in the periphery. It's like that thing that's always kind of lingering around, you know. And then we have these other people in our lives like our friendships and our employers and our 
intimate relationships with people who come in and our karmas are somehow interwoven and we're intended to reveal parts of reality to each other. And again, some of those contracts last forever. Some of those contracts don't last forever for whatever reason. But the reason that I'm talking about this is because when we scale back, it's not about me, mine, ours. It's about individual souls on their individual journeys. And when we can view people that way, it helps me at least, and hopefully you all listening to this, it really helps develop compassion, more of a true love, right? Love in the true sense of the word, because when we view something as mine, it usually comes with some type of projection and desire, right? Like you are my partner. These are the things I want from you. You are my child. These are the things I expect of you. You are my mother. You're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. And that can create a lot of suffering because we're attaching ourselves to an outcome for this person that we have no control over. But when we view them as a spirit soul on their own unique journey, it kind of shifts our expectation and it kind of shifts, you know, the, the weight of it all. And I know that a lot of us have had really challenging relationships with our parents. I mean, I talk about people or I talk with people, excuse me, all the time who had like these really hard, traumatic, difficult relationships with their parents. And so I'm not necessarily saying to throw your hands up and totally radically forgive and embrace everything in love. I mean, that's the idea <laughs> because that will relieve you of suffering. It will release the burden of anger and resentment and pain. Um, but it's not that simple, right? There's usually a lot of stuff to kind of work through. And that's why they were assigned to you, right? for you to work through this, for you to discover these deeper layers of yourself. And another thing that I tell people when I begin talking about things like this is, you know, it's unfortunate, but rather it be a bad parent or an abusive partner or, you know, someone you met that's manipulative. Unfortunately, it's their karma to be abusive. It's their karma to be manipulative. It's their karma to be a cheat. And that totally sucks for them. But you get to go on and do other things. You're connected to your dharma. You are going to work on yourself. You're going to heal yourself. You're going to release the hate, release the resentment, release the chains that bind you to that person karmically. And it's going to set you free. And that's what it's all about. You know, my therapist said something super profound to me. She says, wounds happen in relationship. So it only makes sense that they heal in relationship too. And so usually we have these horrible... I'm not saying everybody has this, but for, you know, a lot of us, we have these horrible relationships with our parents. And as we grow older, we do some personal introspection, we do some personal work, we meet an intimate partner, and they kind of help us heal those wounds through allowing us to trust or allowing us to, you know, do all these things that we couldn't do with our parents. And it's kind of that way with karma. It's like we mess up in previous lifetimes. We develop this karma. We come into this current lifetime with this karma that we need to pay off. <laughs> And it's like we, you know, we get karma and usually it happens through connection, through intimacy, through our parents. Things happen and it sucks and it forces us to work through it. It forces us to gain more insight and hopefully it forces us to connect with something beyond ourselves. But the thing is, is that karma is created when we attach. 
Karma is created when we have an attachment to something, rather it be an idea, an expectation, or a person. So when we have a partner, and it's like obviously have boundaries, you know, it's like we all have needs, yes, but if we have a partner and we think that their sole responsibility in this life is to make us happy, we're really missing the point. Because we are lucky enough to bump into this person on our soul's journey. How can we serve them? How can we help them? How can we help them align more deeply with their purpose? And that's when we start alleviating ourselves from karma. But again, when we really, you know, we have the mother and she's hurt us and she's wounded us and she is her own individual jiva. Yes, she is materially your mother in this life, but ultimately she is a spirit soul. She's not bound by anybody. Nobody owns her necessarily, right? Except for the cosmic network that we're all a part of. She's working her stuff out. And so as a child, it's a lot different, right? But when we turn into an adult, it's our responsibility to heal, you know, to mend ourselves, to find something higher because we cannot expect this person to change or see things a certain way or give us something that they were never able to give us. That soul, that jiva is doing the best that they can in this incarnation. And we have to turn towards ourself. And again, in my opinion, this really helps alleviate the anger and the resentment and, and all of that. And this isn't to spiritually bypass and it's not to excuse anybody's horrible behavior. But again, I, I'm sharing this because I think it can be liberating to view ourselves this way and to also remind you all that in my belief system, when we come into this world, it's perfectly set up to teach us exactly what we need to learn. And the people that are kind of set up, our soul contracts that we make, are set up to teach us so many different lessons that ultimately will lead us to a a deeper sense of self-realization, hopefully. And, you know, I'm kind of hesitant to share this because when I look back at my, you know, dark night of the soul, if you will, I don't even really refer to it as that. But when I look back to a super painful part of my life, my father had died and it's a long story. The entire saga of what happened to me during that time was I experienced so much grief and I experienced so much pain and so much betrayal and so much abandonment. It was horrible. And if somebody told me, hey, you chose this for your soul's evolution, I was not in a place to accept that at that point in time. And I couldn't see it. You know, and some of you, no matter where you are in your soul's journey, you may never see it that way. And that's fine. I just want to share my perspective and what helps me and what I believe in my belief system. Um. But I also want to say now, you know, scaling back, I can see that as awful as it was, it is what led me to where I am now. It was a complete blessing in disguise. And to be honest with you, as horrible as it was, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, I mean, obviously, my father, I wish that he had had more time. But again, that's his journey. That's his soul's mission. He completed what he needed to complete. And how that looked in my life is that I came into this world with a birth chart that said early absence of father. All right, got prescribed that, you know, 
And, and that's how it worked out for me. Our souls had a contract that was fulfilled. And I did not know at the time when I was, you know, 19, 20 year old little baby, pretty much, that this ending, that this suffering was going to lead to something so beautiful for me. I didn't know that I would feel so empty that I needed to seek out meditation, that I needed to seek out yoga, that in just a year or two, I was going to meet a teacher that completely changed my life forever because of the grief that I felt. I didn't have that awareness. I didn't have that foresight. But because that experience happened to me, because I had that loss and I saw where it led me ultimately, Now, as I move through life, as I experience heartbreak, as I experience difficulty and I experience pain, still sucks, still grieves, still cry, still awful. And I can stay connected to that deeper meaning that I found. You know what? I trust that this contract that I have with these people or this person or this thing or whatever, I trust that this is here for a deeper purpose. I trust that I'm going to be led somewhere better. I trust that this is something that is orienting me towards a brighter future, a more connected future, more expansive, open, enlightened future. And I'll also say that understanding that level of of pain through my soul contracts, through my family contracts, it really helps me connect with other people. And so in my work, you know, I know what what a lot of this may feel like and I know what a lot of this may look like and so my suffering really did become part of what I feel like is one of my strengths and so this is my perception of things again if other people don't resonate with it it's not my the last thing I would ever want to do is offend somebody or try to make meaning out of something that feels meaningless to you because at the end of the day what you find meaning in is what's important and what you find connection with is what's important and so if you've experienced a loss or trauma and you don't even want to find the meaning in it then that is your right and I respect that and again last thing I'd ever want to do is cause any offenses but kind of turning back towards the topic of this podcast towards these soul contracts right I shared those stories because I wanted to share with you about my soul contracts and the contracts that I've had with my family members you know, and in my experience, as difficult as it can be, there's also so much beauty, you know, and, and there's so much beauty in, in the soul contract that I have with my teachers and with my best friends, you know, with my guides, with my mentors, with my people, even with my pets. It's just helped me understand and to see firsthand how sacred these relationships are. And so I wanted to share, I didn't plan on sharing anything personal about myself, but I I hope that it kind of put into context what I'm trying to say and how this can show up, right? Because we have to scale back and view these relationships with a little bit more objectivity. We're all just kind of moving through the cycle of life, moving towards a deeper state of understanding and evolution. And so it's my understanding that Every connection we make, for better or for worse, there is sanctity to it. And, you know, some people say we specifically chose them coming into this life to to teach us specific things and to orient us towards a certain direction. And so it is sacred. And 
when I say to teach us things, it doesn't need to be, oh man, they taught me how to love. They taught me how to be free. It's like, no, like some people taught me how to say no. Some people taught me how to find a strength within myself apart from them. Some people taught me how to be fiercely independent and then somebody else taught me how to release and let go and to trust. But I still carry that ability to be independent. Some people taught me to be extra safe. (laughs) Some people taught me not to trust too, too soon. So it's not always like this beautiful thing. You know, we have to be able to look at the negative experiences as part of our evolution and part of our strength, part of our superpowers. And so I hope that that's empowering and I hope that it's helpful. And again, for all of you with parents, (laughs) for all of you with aunts and uncles, those are some pretty thick contracts you have. So really ask yourself, what do you need to learn from them? What in your soul needed them as parents to teach you something and for those of you who have babies for those of you who have children what a blessed opportunity to carry a beautiful new jiva into this world and to witness them on their own unique journey and that little soul chose you to be their teacher So anyway, that's what I get to thinking about when I think of Ariman and connection and friendliness. It's like, what does it take to be a real friend? Being able to see somebody objectively without throwing our projections, without needing something from them, without viewing them as mine. You know, what does it take to be a good partner? Same thing. What can I offer you? What can I share to you? How can I help you connect with your purpose? How can I help you shine the brightest? So really, really changes the game. Such a beautiful thought. I've been contemplating a lot. I hope that that all made sense. I hope that it was helpful. And tying it in to the full moon being a time of releasing and letting go. It could be a time of looking at your relationships and really contemplating, you know, for the relationships that have been wonderful, you know, what Were they here to teach you? How have they supported you? What do they offer you for the relationships that have been challenging? What did they teach you? What did they show you? How did they orient you? And again, because it's a time of releasing and letting go, maybe there's a relationship that we have that's difficult. And maybe we can conserve some of our energy and some of our love by releasing an expectation that may just never happen. You know, it's actually a service to ourselves to recognize when someone is incapable of fulfilling a need or incapable of fulfilling an expectation. Maybe there is a friend in your life who hasn't been that great of a friend, or maybe they're not leading you down a good path, or they're not being as reciprocating as you'd like them to be it could be a time of actually releasing or letting go of a friendship or an expectation in a friendship but again it's also a really good time to look at ourselves and our projections and expectations our attachments to people you know that idea of me mine ours owning kind of giving the people in our life the gift of seeing them as again, a spirit soul. And on a global level, we may see something with connection, or we may see an alliance 
you know, we may see some, as I mentioned earlier, some strive for communication or peace talk in some way. But again, we still have quite a bit of turbulence to get through. So it may not, it may be something a little bit more fleeting, but that's something to have on the radar as well. And so before we hop off, I just want to recognize that there are so many individual souls with their individual charts, their individual prescribed karma in this lifetime listening to me. And you are all on the path of self-realization and your healing and your healers and your looking to evolve. And I am just so incredibly humbled and honored to connect with you over the sound waves and that you've even listened to the end of my podcast. <laughs> if you'd like to schedule a reading, you can go to innerknowing.yoga. My Patreon account is patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast. Instagram is astrologynow underscore podcast, and I will talk to you all very soon. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much. Thank you.